What's up, ladies and gentlemen? What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of No Great Areas. That's right. That's right. You can find us if you uh, if you have access to the internet at NGA Podcasts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and if you're searching for us on. Uh, Podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and do you search NGL? Do you search No Grey Areas? You then? can search both now. Because you know, I was I was talking to someone about it today. They're like, "How do I find your podcast?" Yeah, yeah. No, NGA Podcasts um, is like the kind of abbreviated version, but No Grey Areas, No Grey Areas podcast. You should be able to find us as well. Cool. And if you're not sure, or you're you're trying to show someone, obviously we've got our little emoji pictures of us. That's correct. Which That's correct. shirts will be coming soon, especially because we're going <laughs> to yeah. need them for when we do our little road trip episode. This is true. This is true. So so, um, also if you do bit.ly, so use a bit.ly link slash NGA podcast, that will bring you to a page that has links to all of the platforms. Beautiful. Beautiful. So today uh, we've actually got a guest on, a gentleman by the name of Leo. Shout out. Shout out to Leo. Thank you very much for, for taking your time out to come on. And uh, he's specifically talking to us about his experience with the big D. And I'm not talking about Denny's penis. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, That's the big D. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he's talking about divorce and his personal experience. Um, we were going to kind of go over some more general stuff and talk about... Um, some more like celebrity profile stuff. So we touched on a little bit, Jeff Bezos, but just bear in mind uh, when you're listening to this, this gentleman obviously is, is not really so much entertainment the way it was presented. It was quite an emotional thing for this guy to go through. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, big thanks for him to come on, you know, open up, tell us what, what he went through and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, and this is his experience. Yeah. So uh, just, just, you know, full disclaimers and that, we're, we're not experts on divorce, mm. obviously. I ain't never been divorced. Denny's been divorced like 57 times. 53. <laughs> so so he's obviously not very good at marriage, so we didn't talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so just uh, obviously sit back and enjoy. So today we have, uh, obviously, as previously mentioned, we've got a guest with us. And do you know, I, before we even started recording, I didn't ask about whether or not we should keep this for legal reasons okay. undercover. So I'm, I'm going to leave that to, to the guest in question, whether or not he wants to use his particular name or the name of the other individuals that are involved. But today we're getting down with the divorce talk, people, especially because just the other week, the biggest divorce of all time started, which was Mr. Bezos. Oh, yes. My yes. man got caught clean. Do you hear, like, he got caught texting his mistress, right, by his missus. And I'm guessing how he got caught was he has an iPhone and he's got an iPad. And you know, iMessage is linked, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, so yeah. This is my guess, right? I'm doing my Inspector Gadget stuff yeah. undercover. But I'm guessing his wife just picked up his iPad one day and went, 27 messages, if I use this. Oh shit, titties. <laughs> That's it. That was it. There you go. Biggest, most expensive divorce of all time kicking off. Wow. So today, uh, obviously, our guest is going to go in. Uh, and the reason why, obviously, uh, I, I know this gentleman quite well. And he's got a bit of an interesting story. And I thought it might, it might 
shock Denny into maybe reconsidering the idea of settling down ever. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, so so uh, so yeah. I think the the best way to do it is if you just you want to say hello and then and then just tell tell your story. Hi everyone, uh, <laughs> I am your guest today, and mm -hmm. I am really privileged to be part of your team today. My name is Leo, and I'm a Greek Cypriot. I don't mind my name being mentioned, but that is uh, the name everybody knows me by. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so obviously the discussion is going to be relating to divorce. Yes. And how some people believe that they're in love with one person or they get arranged marriages and they, they set off their life, driving it forward as a happy couple and not expect anything negative to ever go ahead. I'm a Greek Cypriot. So my marriage was partly arranged. I did actually find my girlfriend. I only had one girlfriend in the whole of my life. And this is the one I got married to after I was 21. So when I met her at 16, I quite liked her. The arrangements were going ahead. So we thought, well, her parents want uh, her brother to get married. So they thought of my sister to be part of their family. Why? It's uh, the hold way on, they're separate. On. They wanted their daughter to marry you and their son to marry your sister. Correct. Raw. But <laughs> you see, my sister declined the fact of getting married at the age of uh, 18, 19, which was what, what Greek Cypriots would have done. Most Cypriots would get their children married at the age of 17 wow. by a form of arrangement, but it doesn't have to be a form of arrangement. But we're talking about UK now. We're UK based. And so we do hold our th ethnicity, but uh, in Cyprus, you would find somebody from a local village and say, you know, that they've got a daughter, I've got a son. You know, those two would actually match really well. Yeah. And of course, then you'd have to burden with each other. The parents would actually say, well, look, I give you two goats, a cow, oh, so and all the supply of uh, food you want <clears throat> from my harvest of my farm right. uh, for my, hand, my son's hand in marriage. So you'd barter a dowry. A dowry. Correct. Okay. Wow. So the diary goes on, and that's basically where my story uh, ended up in 1920. Uh, in 1920? Shit, man, you're older than you look. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Star Trek viewers. <laughs> so go on, 1980 what? Right, 1985. 1985 is when I got oh, married. Cool. In 1984, I got engaged to this lady. Okay. And uh, it was a touch and go situation, really, because we had to do an arrangement at her parents' house through some sort of barbecue. So it's a gathering, family, my family and her family, all together. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, after about three or four hours being in one room talking to one another, uh, it was a part of do I want this girl to be my wife and does she want me to be her husband? And it was just like a touch and go situation where she had a particular job. She was a hairdresser and her parents had a fish and chip shop business in Elford. Cool. And of course, all she did was go to school and go back home and then go and meet her parents at the Elford fish and chip shop. But she never actually learned any uh, family uh, earns like know how to cook, how to iron. She, she didn't know anything, basically. Okay. And because we always lived in the Slough Berkshire area, we never actually knew any Cypriot families that we could actually vouch for to say, do we know this family? Because it's almost like an arrangement to say, you would only get married to a family if you know enough about that family. Right. In my case, we didn't know anything about this family. 
Okay. Only that her uncle played a bouzouki. <laughs> he was an English Greek singer, in okay. effect. Um, and I was learning violin at the young age of 16. And uh, her uncle's best friend, who was a, a musician also, was a violinist. And that's the person I went through right. to try and learn how to play Greek Cypriot music. So you got married in 85, yeah? 85 I got married, yeah. Okay. And when you got married, it was obviously a little touch and go beforehand. Mm -hmm. But you're happily married. First few years, good? All 28 years of my marriage were very good. Okay. 28 years. You do have up and downs though, right? Everyone has up and downs in marriage, otherwise that's not marriage. I will tell you that throughout 28 years, I'm probably a very, very unusual individual. Right. I've never had arguments with anybody in my family, and I vouched for that 1,000%. What I did do is provide for my family. Within three years of marriage, we had the first boy, and then three years after that, we had the girl, right? Okay. Now, both of us, children and the wife all three of us together were very strong in our marriage there was nothing that was going to go wrong because um, she did follow my my uh, way of life okay uh, she had to leave her parents because her parents decided to go back to Cyprus after got married so they immigrated and she didn't have anybody else other than myself and okay. her aunties and uncles that might have been in the London area okay okay so for the most part of your marriage it's all good yeah okay yeah, so fine so what happened to lead you to be in this situation now where you're no longer married okay. this is the juice for anybody who's greek cypriot out there yeah for anybody who wants to play with dowries okay please please just take this note on board all right this is the most serious part of uh, the divorce in a cypriot or a partly arranged marriage right a dowry is something that the Greek Cypriots would normally follow and a lot of other uh, families do and other cultures do yeah. a dowry. So the so parents... That, sorry, could you just explain So, so that? basically, right. in, in some cultures, and it happens in Indian cultures particularly yeah, as does, well, yeah. the girl is often seen as a bit of a burden. Right. Might not necessarily be true, especially not now in, in Western countries. But uh, the boy's side will be like, we're taking on your daughter, she's a burden. What are you going to give us to, to sweeten the deal? Oh, so as you were saying earlier, that sort of bar, oh, that sort of... Yeah, right, right. and then it would be... And it, it wouldn't necessarily be the boy side asking for it. The girl side would be like, listen, if you marry our daughter, you get a house, you get a car, you get right. this, you get that, you get this. It still yeah. happens quite a lot in Indian culture, but not so much in like British Indian culture. Yeah. More yeah. India, India, back yeah. in the village, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no racist, yeah? <laughs> Maybe Thora Punjabi will die. If you don't believe me, it's fine. Carry on. Right? But I will say, though, the Cypriot culture here in the UK is just as strong as it would have been in Cyprus. Okay. Okay? So a, a dowry would be brought normally from the female side. And the man, his duty would be to look after her for the rest of his life. Right. And her life. Okay? So in my case, I was honky-dory and loving uh, Slough since I was 19, since 1970, when we first came you to England. You messed up, man. You love Slough, so yeah. All right, carry on. Yeah, we've been living around for, for here for ages. And she was always in the London area. So as I said before, we could never tell the type of people that we're going to meet up with in London because we never mixed up with the Greek Cypriots mm. in London. Therefore, we're not messed up ourselves. We know that we worked out hard, we got educated hard, we got new jobs, We've got very good uh, future ahead of us. All of a sudden, you've got this person who wants to marry you, but for money. And that was the main incentive. 
So just to break it down a little bit, uh, her parents at the first meeting in 1984, before we even got engaged, was that they wanted to get rid of that daughter. That was their main instinct. Wow. They wanted to retire. In other words, they didn't really love her. That's the way I see it. They wanted to get rid of her because nobody in London wanted to marry this woman. No Cypriot in London would have got married to this woman. Okay. Because they knew she was a dirty bitch. And I never okay, knew about that. <laughs> Sorry, just, just hold, up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Two minutes ago, you're like, yeah, happily married. Da, da, da. Tony is great. Dirty bitch. <laughs> oh, it's got saucy. <laughs> it's got Sorry, spicy. Sorry, I had I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. Robert, tell you what. Tell us, tell us from the day it you became aware that it was going south in terms of the end of your marriage right because right? okay. because that's the main thing right yeah. and then we'll come back and do the other nastiness after yeah <laughs> so, sorry guys if i swore but you know i feel really really bad about it no so, no no, don't, no you're allowed sorry. to swear you can swear what you want it's fine <laughs> but yeah so so fuck shit wanker yeah all right well listen <laughs> so, so hold on fine. what year did you get to did did your divorce start if right, we start my, from there my divorce started in 2011 Right. Unaware that it was going to be a divorce. Okay. There was right. no reason for me to be divorced. Right. Okay. As previously explained, you're happy, right? 2011, happy. you're happy. Absolutely. I was modernizing the matrimonial home. I was still looking after my kids. I was paying a lot of money towards my daughter's university graduation. I was getting everything done. The son was performing music with me as well. Uh, we were musicians yeah. uh, in Greek, Cypriot, and Turkish weddings. So there were, my children were, in effect, were very close to me. Well, and they've yeah, always yeah. been close. The wife, though, I realized that she was always mum and dad, mum and dad, oh, my brother, mum and dad, my brother. In other words, I realized every time we went on holiday as a family, she always wanted to go to Cyprus. And I said, I don't ever take that away from you. Let's book a, a holiday and go to Cyprus because yeah. I know you want to see your parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it used to be a few things that were a little bit... Um, not so nice from my point of view because I've always been a gentleman. I've always been quite easy with my money and I was always to, to, to make somebody very happy in life. I would never want to see a negative part of my life. I've never done that. Okay, so I don't know what nasty is. Okay, until of course in 2011 when I, I'm going to come back to that. But you know, if the grandparents haven't seen their grandchildren for about a year, for the following year and then the following year and following year, you would expect the grandparents to just put their, their hand in their pocket and buy an ice cream for the kids, right? Yeah. Because that it's, they're showing their love and respect and their appreciation that we managed to get them out there yeah, so yeah. you could see them. And the wife just puts her eyebrows high in the air, like a couple of eyebrows in the air, saying, don't let my parents pay for the ice cream. Now, okay. to me, it's like a kid in their teeth because you have no right to tell your husband that your grandparents want to, your, yeah, your parents yeah, want to your buy the, the kids. So I always used to find that a bit of an, uh, sort of like a, a little spot. hot spot. And I think this is where it's going to go wrong because yeah. she loves her parents more than her, her own family. This is what right. happened. Yeah, so yeah. what happened in 2011 was, it actually happened about uh, 2009 when uh, there was a discussion about... Um, a piece of land that the father-in-law used to have in Bexley and it was under under a uh, court in other words this guy was going to go and and, and steal it uh, he had the deeds he bought it since 1979 but the deeds 
was showing that he was the owner of that particular plot of land. So I basically said to my father-in-law, listen, we're going to go to court because of your piece of land. Please come along here in the UK. Just get a flight. Come over here. You need to go to court and state your fact that this is your land and you've got to fight your rights. Why did he need to fight for his land? If it's his land, he's got a title to it. Because an adverse possession uh, court order had been uh, proceeded. Okay. Now there's a 12-year rule, which means if somebody actually takes a piece of land that belongs to you and you don't even know about it, he could then say, I've used it for 12 years, I'm going to take you to court and I will claim it outright. Legally stealing. Basically. Legally wow. stealing, all right? So... Um, this piece of land what actually happened with that was that i made a few calls we managed to find that there was actually not just himself i was under the impression it was always his land but it was only partitioned of it there was another 12 owners that we have to track down okay. uh in the end of the day um he said we love you so much leo <coughs> Uh, would we, take whatever you can offer us from this point. He was unwilling to come over from Cyprus to here right. to go to Dartford Court when there was a court order. So he let me take the expenses of writing checks left and right with solicitors and at the same time using the ex-wife and myself to try and get to, keep to the find out who the other owners were because right. I couldn't afford 50 grand at the time. I spent eleven and a half thousand pounds for this father-in-law right. at the time, and he okay. never came even once. So we had this one particular argument. The re-argument was over the phone. Never ever in my life with the marriage, I've ever had an argument with the father-in-law ever. Mm -hmm. And he basically said to me that we trust you that you're going to do everything fine we will give you the money back that you spent for legal costs i've never up to today ever had a single penny back of my twelve thousand pounds of roughly what i've spent yeah uh, but he said if we do lose the land i will lose everything that i have and that's what inspired me to think what the hell is he talking about right. and the reason i'm going to say this now is that when her dowry was given to me was the property that I was going to live in was the house they bought outright. Right. That house was £79,000. So that was her diary because I said, I'm not willing to marry you unless you're going to come to Slough. They wanted me to go to Chingford and live there. Right. And also to have six years of their fish and chip shop business. But unfortunately, I was in a position to learn a new trade just mm -hmm. for six years and not on what's going to happen. Yeah. I had a stable job. I was getting a lot of money from the company I used to work for for almost 25 years. And eventually you got this little crack occurring in the marriage only because of that one discussion. What did he mean that I would lose everything if I lost his land? Right. And that was the point I put my brain together and oh I said, so he's saying you would lose everything i would lose everything right sorry i thought you said he was saying like referring to himself saying i will lose everything no. if you don't do this for me he's telling me so it's I almost like a threat yes it was wow yeah. so that threat meant the only thing i could lose if he was relating to everything would be the property i was living in my matrimonial home right. which was my wedding gift now this is Your the doubt. scam yeah the scam was very easy now is it, it, it appears very very often when you went through your divorce because they left the maiden name on the property since day one of the marriage right and i've never ever wanted to change it or i never thought i happened to change it because i was married 
and I was going to make a marriage out of my marriage. You know, yeah, I was going yeah. to bring my family up. Uh, everything was going to be fine. Modernizing it here and there, going on holidays, doing the work, paying the bills and so on. So I did everything any human being would have done if it was marriage and loving, caring husband. Right. In this case, because the house always remained on her maiden name, then we realized when it was out of the blue on 24th of October 2011, they were trying to get me out of my own home. So they ganged up to me. In other words, they brainwashed my children, they called the police, they got me arrested in my home with machine guns, right in front of my home in my pajamas at 10 past nine on the 24th of October. Okay? So what actually happened? Hold what on, hold on, hold on. You can't skimp, but can't skimp through that, right? You got. To... I'm going to tell you what happened before that happened. Okay. Okay. All we understand is, when the father-in-law threatened me over the phone to say I would lose everything, the only thing I could have thought about what could it be that he's relating to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did one little question, and I went to a small solicitor nearby in Burnham, and I asked them. Look, this is the situation I'm in. My father-in-law just threatened me that I would lose everything because I'm not willing to pay for his legal costs for him to come and defend a piece of land that belongs to him. And the question that was occurred, this is an amazing question. Do you live in a home? Yes. Okay, is the home on your name? No. And that's when the solicitor says to me, put matrimonial rights on your property. Put a caution. Why? And in 2010, 2009, 2010, I put a caution. Of course, the person who was going to get the letter from the industry would be the wife. So the wife said, there's a caution on your property. You cannot sell it. You cannot take a mortgage. You can't rename it. You can't do anything with that property because the husband is holding it in the caution. Right. What was exactly going to happen in 2010 when the father-in-law said to me that I would lose everything, he made a call while I was away and the wife received that call saying, transfer the house over to me. And of course, that could not have happened because I had blocked it with a matrimonial caution. And that's what protected me. Right. Wow. Okay. Okay. So how did this go down then? How did they try and get you out of the house? Well, it was a very interesting story. <laughs> Guys, if you're there, hold your pants up because, <laughs> and grab your balls because it's bloody hairy. <laughs> right. um, okay, so for them to uh, arrange a person to come out of his own matrimonial home because I didn't have a name on the deeds, um, they set up a very, very nasty clause uh, and a, a different uh, a plot to, to get me out of my own home. Right. So, me being a, such a nice guy, <laughs> I sent them on holiday in 2010. <laughs> so, wife went, daughter and son went, and the girlfriend went, the son's daughter, that the son's girlfriend. They went to Cyprus and they obviously knew that there was a caution, so they started to plot. How are we going to get him out of the house? And that was their own activity. That's all they had to do. So the ex-wife, obviously, when they came back, everything was hungry roses. I didn't have any problems with anything. And all of a sudden, on 24th of October 2011, I had police surrounding my home. 
I was uh, getting ready to go out to a driving test because I'm a driving instructor. I was taking somebody for a driving test and my home was surrounded with police all around the whole of the front and the side and the back, everything was done. And um, the wife and the two parents, the, her, two, her parents came in two weeks before this happened. So they already instigated something was going on and I realized there was something wrong. So I went to my colleague and I said, look, I think something is going wrong here. It's not, not happy, I'm not happy. I'm in my home, but I feel very threatened. And um, what, what can I say? My colleague, I could mention his name, but I won't. Uh, he basically said, just keep calm. You'll be all right. Nothing's going to be happening wrong. But my in-laws came effectively to kill me on that those couple of weeks. They were planning how we're going to get him out. I was very shocked when I found them in my living room uh, two weeks before this arrest, um, they were sitting like little kittens and mice in, inside the back living room. And nobody told me that they even arrived. I got up in the morning, it was just like a normal day for me. Got up, the wife had already gone to work, and I was just sitting here in uh, making a cup of coffee. And I decided I'm going to lock the door so I could lock up and go to work. And I hear a very, very aggressive, violent individual which was a father-in-law, so I was telling me to, excuse me, I'm going to swear this, fucking leave the door alone. That's what he shouted. And I thought, out of the shock of my self, I looked around and I said, what are you guys doing here? Wow. Mm. So to me, I knew I was in danger at that point. And that lasted two weeks, this trauma in the house. Everything was fine. We still worked inside the home. They were invited. I didn't have any, any problems with them at all. But then they instigated a river, uh, an arrest. So um, the son instigated the arrest. Uh, they made a, a dramatic story that they were held as hostages in their living room. And uh, they were assaulted by me. And they, uh, I had some sort of weapon which I was going to cause harm with them. So that's why the police came in with full arms and machine guns and arrested me on my doorstep. So what was the what was the weapon that they said that you you had? Well, I had an air rifle which was used by the family for summer times and whatever, and we used to use it for target practice. That's about it. But that was even that was actually set up. The first thing was that they put a, a, a pellet inside the gun, which I know should never be in because we always fire it up. We used to be in a, in a gun club, so there was no need for a pellet to be inside the gun. Once it's fired, it's empty, yeah. and it's secure and it's safe. Uh, the kids in the home were over the age of 16, so you didn't have to have it locked up. And it's always been in one particular room. It's always mm. sitting in that dining room area. Okay. Um, the assault, really strange how the police were really naive. And they just went through one particular word. And I will mention that to you guys who are out there and you're thinking about diaries or whatever. But please be aware that domestic abuse is a very key word. I could make up the fact that I've been assaulted by somebody mm. and I'll call it domestic abuse. Therefore, I'm protected by the law, despite the fact there was none of that happening. Mm. Okay, so they were held hostages in a, in a downstairs room. Now, the very strange thing about it, if they held hostages, have mum and dad and her sitting in a living room 
It was the only night she never came to bed that night, that particular night, because it was the final setup. You know, I just felt like I was Jesus Christ being crucifixed. You know, and the, the betrayal that you have within that, you don't understand at the time. I never even understood it from the moment I got arrested. But what happened was she stayed downstairs and they lived in the living room for the whole evening. Now, if they called out for the police for anything that happened in that particular night, there wouldn't have been anything because I was fast asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so... So they instigated the son to make all the calls. And we know, because Thames Valley Police told me about all the calls that the son made. I even know all the words that he said. Uh, the whole dialogue was given to me by Detective Sergeant Penny McKenzie, who I'm very, very close friends with now. Mm. And she is Thames Valley Police Senior Detective Sergeant. She looks after the whole of Thames Valley. Okay. Oh, it's fun. Strange thing was, the the son obviously decided that he was going to make a call, and of course it was in the morning where uh, I got the shock of my life. I had a cup of coffee in my hand. I noticed that there was some movement outside, but I didn't work out it was police. And there was a lady, one of the police officers there, was trying to surround the house with all the police around. There was apparently there was eight police cars there. There was an ambulance there as well. And the ambulance was there just for show. Uh, you know, in effect, I would class it as police wasting time because uh, there was nothing in the house that was actually dangerous at any point. Okay, but for obviously from their side, if someone calls up and says, you know, someone's being held at air gunpoint, but gunpoint, they're going to have to have, like, just in case, yeah, if they yeah, shoot yeah. someone, yeah, 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 if yeah, they if they yeah, enter yeah, the house and yeah, shoot you, yeah, they yeah. still need an ambulance to take care of you, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's fair. Yeah, Maybe yeah. eight eight th- uh, cars might be seen as overkill, but then they're, they're sending an armed response unit as well. Correct. Right? Yeah, they did. They are used. So yeah, they, they don't there was about three, three, uh, three armed units there. Just um, to take you out. But like, you see, the thing is, their plan, their plan would have folded, folded, Yep. straight away if it hadn't been the sun making the call at six or seven o'clock in the morning right. of the day I got arrested because if the assault happened the night before and the parents were not they said they were hostages mm. okay so let's give you a little scenario of what the police should have actually seen and what should they have responded to okay they were in the ground floor the windows are fully accessible and open they have a, a line line telephone inside there their telephone, they had their own mobile phones on their body, right. and the, the lock to the, the the room itself, the key was on the inside of the room and not outside the room. And they weren't oh. tied up, I'm guessing. They were not tied, they were not gagged, there was no assault, there was no blood, there was no broken furniture. So really, the police were just prompting on what the son told them. Yeah. That my father is assaulted my mother and is keeping my in-laws, my, my grandparents, under hostage. Okay. That was it. Response. Done. They came out and surrounded. Now, obviously, if someone's listening to this, and maybe they think that you're full of shit, just for example... Yeah, yeah, fine. The only the only reason why we know that this is obviously not correct is yeah. because if you are keeping someone against your will, 
Yeah. If this happened in 2011, you'd probably only just be getting out of prison by now. Possibly, yes, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. So I'm guessing, obviously, so they arrested you, right? Yeah. They took you into custody. Yeah. How long were you in custody for? I was in custody. I was uh, registered at ten past ten in Maidenhead Police Station. Um, I I was asked if I wanted to make a, a a formal phone call, and I said, "Yeah, do you mind calling my <laughs> my wife?" <laughs> <laughs> ask her what the fuck's going on. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <clears throat> Can you call my colleague and ask him to go and take my driving student for a test? Okay. Now I think anybody in their genuine mind would have probably think, how can this be a violent individual? Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you get those guys who are a little bit like narcissistic, yeah. like serial <coughs> killer types, yeah, yeah. and they'll kill someone, they'll be like, listen, can you just call my boss and tell him I might be a little bit late for work? <laughs> 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 so maybe that, maybe they're like, oh my yeah, God, this guy's savage. Listen, I'll tell you something. If you're going to be, I've never ever had trouble with the police ever in my whole of my life, because I don't believe I've ever done anything criminal to allow them to even come near me. Except for the fact that you have been arrested at gunpoint at this point. Okay, so. <laughs> this is because somebody instigated Yeah, that. yeah, okay, cool. Okay, but if I was accused of these type of allegations, yeah. uh, using a weapon was causing a harm, a hostage situation, yeah. and assault, yeah. I don't think I would be like a tame kitten to be arrested with the handcuffs on. Mm. I would have been kicking a fast if I was a violent individual. Sure. That never ever happened because I wasn't a violent person. Sure. So anyway, they stuck me in the cell. I told them I don't really want to be in a, in a closed cell. I'm claustrophobic and I'd like to have a cell that would be a little bit more respectful. And they were very, very good. They were quite shocked and taken back when I said, can you call my colleague and tell him to go and yeah. get my car yeah. to take my student for a driving test? Because I have vouched for that person to be there and I would be there and I wouldn't let anybody down. So they let me in and after two hours I got one phone call and they passed the phone call through the cell and they said this is the, uh, this is the locum solicitor which I could use yeah. if I wanted to because I didn't have no reputation at that time. I didn't know what was going on. And... Um, he said, these are very, very serious allegations and you can get yourself in about 10 or 15 years of uh, prison. Yeah. And I said, well, I haven't done anything. I don't understand why you want to twist this round and make it look like I'm the, I'm the villain here because I haven't done anything wrong at all. Sure. So that was left. And all I could do is just sleep because I didn't have the feeling of being in a cell closed up like a mm. dog. And I didn't want to even think I was in a cell. I just wanted to sleep until the next stage. They offered me a couple of beans and chips, which I couldn't okay. eat. So at 11 o'clock that evening, from 10 o'clock till 11 o'clock, that I had a representation, and then I had the, the main interview, sure, which um, went very well, apart from I was uh, led to by two females who were definitely <laughs> I can see there were female representatives that want to look after the females yeah. and you were guilty regardless of the fact what you were going to say to me yeah. okay 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 I just felt really yeah, yeah. Uh, uncomfortable with them fair enough so you get arrested I'm guessing you got released 
I got released without any charges because okay. there was no evidence in anything that was saying. Cool. So then you went back home and you said, what's going on, love? Right. Wait, no, unfortunately. Hold on, hold on. One sec. Could we go back to the interview? So you yeah. said, so how did that interview play out? What was, what were they? Well, they were just asking you, what, what time was I home? What did I say? What did I do? Where was I then? What was I then? And so on. I just told him everything I did was, and it was calm. Everything was calm. Yeah, yeah. And I... I showed my frustration by just raising my voice a little bit. I just understand why you were doing what you're doing. Yeah. And he goes, look, you see, you're shouting. And they were trying to make me look like a criminal. Wow. And I felt really, really bitter about the way that they interviewed me at that time. Mm. But, uh, what do they call them? CPC, is it? Uh, Crown Prosecution Crown Service. Crown Prosecution Service. CPS. Yeah, yeah. CPS. Uh, they said it's down to them things. now. And it was four o'clock in the morning when they gave me the result. You're free to go, Mr. Lee. So go home. And I said, excuse me, but if I go home, uh, I have no wallet, I have no anything. All I've got is my pyjamas oh, and my wow. dressing gown. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind giving me a lift back home? And then said to me, please don't go home. Because if you go home, they'll probably call you that you did something and they're going to be back in the cell. Right. So that's the only time that my sister... Um, I, it was the only the only time I could say, well, just take me around my sisters. And I ended up at my sisters for two years after that. Okay, so wow. you know. in between that, so did you did you get to go back to your, your marital home at all? I went the next day to try and get back in. For you so uh, the next day for breakfast. And the ex <laughs> and the ex-wife decided to use her boyfriend uh, to change the locks of my home. So she had, when did she get a boyfriend? Uh, she was she, trying to keep it quiet because she didn't want her parents to know that she was such a dirty bitch. <laughs> Boss. Okay. <laughs> right? And she deserves everything she's going to get now. from. So, so did, you, did you suspect that your wife was cheating on you? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. It, that, I, must have, that must have been another clue, Leo, that it's all coming down around you, bro. No, no, no. You were like, just this phone conversation no. with my dad. Listen, there, there was rumours going on and I just could not place my brain to say, I'm going to accept these rumours. I've got to see it for myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a rumour is a rumour, but when you physically want to see it for yourself, then you know you could stand by it and say, right, this is out of order. Get out. Yeah. But, you know, I don't have that violence in me. And the thing is, I will go with what God's will wants me to do. My life is based on what he's offering me. But I know I'm logical enough. I'm not going to go and tread on on somebody's toes or do anything that would cause harm to anybody. But um, in the case of, did we know? Yes, it was only revealed when we were going through legal proceedings. That's when we realized that she was having an affair with the guy. Wow. Okay. I, I'm going to tell you this, it's really amazing. The guy she was having an affair with was a person well, that, I won't be careful, yeah? <laughs> the person she was having an affair with, okay, was actually a work colleague of hers at the place she was working. Okay, right. just hear me out. He's an Irish guy. Okay. Okay. And he apparently, because I go in and out, it's a driving instructor. I go in, get my cup of coffee, go out, go and get another lesson, and, and so on. So I have my home as my oasis. Right. And of course, one day I noticed he was in my home with her, and she made the excuse that this Irish guy is going to teach her how to make a proper Indian curry. And she's surrounded by Indian ladies. 
Why? Now you're telling me an Indian bloody, an Indian, an Indian lady who's not going to teach you how to make a proper curry, but this Irish man can teach you how to make a proper curry. The Irish are talented people, Leo. <laughs> I wonder if he was actually taking a Guinness at the time as he was doing it as well, because that's probably interesting. Uh, but there, that, that's what I was saying. It only revealed itself when we were going through uh, divorce yeah. proceedings that she denied the fact she actually knew him, but she never gave a clear answer. Okay. Right, right, right. And uh, but unfortunately, guys, what I'm going to say to you, guys and girls, if you're going through matrimonial divorces or whatever, only be worried about the the solicitors because the solicitors are there to find out how big the pie is, and if the pie, say, is a hundred and eighty thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, just give them ninety five percent of that amount, and if if you're lucky, you'll be left with that five percent, and that's what you're going to be living on after all these cases in. Whether or not you win, whether or not you lose, there would never be the money that you're going to give to the solicitors to divorce yourself. There's no costs. You just spend, they spend. You spend, they spend. They don't give a monkeys about you. In the other day, the bottom line was I lost everything. And I was in effect uh, disappointed the fact that not only I had to go through a divorce proceeding for divorcing, the ex-wife, for greed for the property that she lived in, okay? Mm. And the lies that go on is that anybody who has a title deed on a property doesn't really make them the owner of that property. It gives them a, a form of right. But a, a husband, in, it gives them a matrimonial right, which means that you have got a right to be 50-50 on this occasion. Mm. In this example the parents her parents came in and say no the house was never ever hers we just put it on trust so what a common word that legals would use it was on trust now we have to then spend more money to develop the it was on trust by some sort of evidence and what's the chances of you trying to do that especially when the rogue parents they had all the rogue Uncle was a bank manager, he loaned them the money, they could make all the fraudulent documents. In the other day, wow. where'd you end up? You end up being mm-hmm. completely penniless. And then, to hit it on top of all that, they put the son on top of me to take me to court for money that he'd already received from the mother at the time of the divorce. The mother wanted to disperse her funds so she wasn't so um, <clears throat> rich in value. Why? As yeah. to me, yeah. because the assets then would have been split 50-50. So she puts the son, so she gives him uh, £40,000. The son then takes me to court. He's already got his money. He takes me to court. He wants £40,000 from me as well. So, But he's got it. Okay. So your wife gave him forty grand. The son initially, my, my, my son and my daughter had a lot of money uh, given to them because since they were born... Yeah, I was looking after her in, their interests until I was happy to deliver them to a marriage. Okay, right. so as a good husband, I don't think any any person I could probably look around a thousand people. Probably one in a thousand might do this for their children, where they'll put money on the side, open them a book, and then persistently keep putting money in mm-hmm. that for their future. Okay, now that money is not entirely just for them. It's it's entirely for the family's need in case there's a crisis. Yeah. 
it's it's a way that I know I don't need this sort of money. Why don't you put it in this little pocket here? And if it ever on a rainy day, you could just dump into that and get it out mm. and do what you need to do. So the son decided to go and uh, find a girlfriend who she wasn't even Greek Cypriot. I think she was Czech Republic. And uh, he decided that he wanted to leave the matrimonial home. And for that reason, he said, you know what, dad, I don't need the money that you've been putting on. I want to show you that I could prove to you. And you didn't have to prove anything to me, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I will prove to you that I could stand on my own two feet and get on with my life. So he gave us the money back. Of course, that money that he gave was from his savings, which I was saving for his university, and maybe his marriage or buying a home. So it was about 40,000 pounds. And uh, he gave that back. And for him to give it back, he had to do a few things. First of all, he had to add me to the account as a name holder. Because right. it was a sold holder, you know. And then that's one document. Then the second document was to take himself off the account. So then he made me a sole owner. Mm. Of course, now that money sits in a matrimonial pot because you're going for a divorce. So it's £40,000 then. Yeah, do, you, yeah. do you get my meaning? So now the wife said, if I give you £40,000, he's £40,000 richer. <laughs> so the son, he's got his 40000 and I have £40,000 in a pot, which should have been split 50-50. She dispersed her funds by 40000 Right. So at the end of the day, what have we got? We've got a situation where um, the son has got entitlement to go and claim his money back based on the first instant that he gave me the money back. <laughs> it's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, look at that. Look at that. So unfortunately, by that time, I was £50,000 in debt because I had paid an extra £30,000 to defend that case with the son. I spent £150,000 buying my matrimonial. So, you know, you put that together, it's £200,000 gone over two years, which was all my life savings and everything else beyond. So crediting my credit card wasn't a good sign. And I owed that money to the credit cards. And of course, uh, I'm six years on, and I'm probably the happiest guy in the world. Beautiful. So tell, tell us a bit about your life now. Tell us about why you're happy now, your current situation, you got yourself back on your feet. You said yeah. you have a passion for music, is that still there? Yeah, the passion for music is still there. And uh, you know, it's, uh, sitting there and trying to find the time to compose music and then perform live. Um, secondly, you know, um, you do lose everything in life. When you go to legal things, uh, the most dangerous part is knowing what's going to happen. You, nobody knows. Mm. And you're driven by the legal solicitors, how good they are. Are they good negotiators? Actually, my solicitors, perfect Cresswell, were completely crap. <laughs> all they did, all they did, yeah, thank you very much, Parfit, in Windsor. <laughs> Please don't use them, because they're bloody bullshit. Okay, all they did is look how big the cake was, and they wanted to have 90% of it. Mm. They took 99% of it. There okay. was nothing left over. It, the, the, the sad story is that whatever happens to you, if you're an innocent individual, nothing will go wrong with you. The thing is, is the part of life... <coughs> nobody realized that everything is smells of roses but you need to experience what sadness is really all about it's not just creating a lot of money in your life and then have lots of fortunes and you really actually you're the saddest person in the world yeah. when you just think about money and nothing else 
if you are experiencing what it really is like to get right to rock bottom and know £40,000 in debt and then find yourself, you've got £80,000 in your bank, that's a different story, yeah. you know, because I worked damn hard to try and bring my business up. I lost my business overnight. And now I'm so happy that I'm doing what I want to do. I got flexibility, I got the freedom. I don't need to feed an extra three mouths. I don't need to pay mortgages and bills that other people would be jumping on your shoulder saying, ha, oh, he's paying anything anyway. Just let him pay, carry on, pay, 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 carry on. Hmm. But now I'm on my own and it's much, much happier. I will say, I found a lovely lady called Mona. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Mona. Mona Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> and uh, she's adorable. She's a really nice lady. Uh, she's very compassionate. Um, we clicked almost within seconds of meeting each other. And we've known each other now for about three weeks and things are going really well. Okay. So has obviously like the experience that you went through, <clears throat> married for nearly 30 years, had kids, built up mm. like obviously for, for full disclosure I've known Leo and I actually knew Leo's wife as well uh, and Leo's son <laughs> yeah. uh, I was and actually I was actually friends I've, I've met your daughter but I was actually friends kind of friends with your son yeah uh, and I, I spoke with your wife a few times as well mm. um, and yeah like your your house was you had a very nice house that obviously you could see when you walked in that you know nothing was no expense was spared on the on the family home. It was a very Ooh. nice place to live. So you built up all of that. In if I'm being like fair, I will say that generally speaking, the the wife will normally get uh, like fifty percent or more anyway of the family home, mm. right? Which, in most circumstances, I would agree with. But I'm curious to get a feminist point of view actually to see whether or not they'd agree that a wife should get more than fifty percent if everything was 50-50. If the man contributed 50%, the wife contributed 50%, should should it be, still be split 50-50? But obviously you've walked away from your marriage with nothing except for some debt. How do you feel about, like in the future, could you see yourself getting married again? I've made it very clear to myself that um, I'm not really interested in getting married. And okay. you know, the, the point of living with somebody that you have trust and love and affection, <clears throat> but I don't want the outlaws and the in-laws to be involved. Okay. And I was, that, that's what I've learned. I've learned that the reason that my matrimonial marriage went down is because it was a scam from day one. Okay. Do you understand? The parents already had the intention of using my family and my sweat and my family's sweat to make the home fantastic so they could then swap the names over and you wouldn't have anything anyway. Yeah. You wouldn't have known anything because the land registry would have actually sent a letter to the wife mm -hmm. and the wife wouldn't have told you anything. Oh, the house already been transferred 10 years ago. What are you trying to fight for a divorce? Do you understand? They had a scam in them. They were very nasty individuals. Right. And you know, that's, that's the bottom line with that particular family. Okay, and what about to, to someone who's single with the prospect of maybe getting married in the future? Let's say, let's say Denny. Denny, okay, Denny, who is single, or well, you're not married, right? Not married. Shout you're not the single people out there. Well, you're not married, right? So Denny's not married. If Denny says to you, Leo, do you think I should look to try and settle down and get married? What do you say? I would say to you, 
what would be the difference of living individually without a piece of paper saying you're married? Give it's me a, true. Give me, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, me, I'll, give me a good reason. Do you know what, man? I've heard this from a married guy. Before. I've got to be like, nah, man. You got to, if it depends on what what part of your life you're in, I guess. Because if you're in your fifties or in your sixties and your seventies, eighties, and you find someone you want to settle down, be committed with them, yeah, you don't you don't need to get married, in no. my opinion. No, my 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 thoughts on it are. So there's there's the ide- like sort of idealism of it all where, you know, I didn't grow up in in a in a like a broke typical sort. Of, sorry, I grew up in a sort of broken home, mm-hmm. so to speak. So it's always been kind of appealing to me to have that kind of family unit. Lewis is just playing his uh, <laughs> invisible <violin>. miniature violin. <laughs> but play. what? As I've got older, I've kind of taken the view you've taken. I've got members of my family who have been together for like thirty. 30 years yeah. who aren't married they've just yeah. lived together um, people you know they've had their ups and downs but it's, they're still a, a, a good good example of a relationship mm-hmm. my thought on it now is for me marriage is my declaration to the world that I want to spend the rest of my life with this person mm-hmm. it's that official stamp no one needs to say anything no one needs to question anything it's me it's me you know it's, it's like people saying are you single are you this it's like it's it's kind of answering all of those questions with one huge declaration saying this person sort of thing. So that's kind of what it means to me. So I'm not into big. I'm not into big. I've never been into the idea of having like a big wedding or. That's why you didn't come to mine. So what would you? <laughs> what, what's the symbol? I just don't believe in that. Jenny, no, so what's the symbol of a wedding ring? No, I get that. I, I totally get that. So why but do you need the legal document to say you're married when the wedding okay. ring could be... So, so I, 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 here's, here's my, here's okay. my backup for that, yeah? Okay, why do you point. need to get legally married? And I, I've heard this thing from people who are anti-marriage. They say, well, I'm happy to settle down and have a kid with this person. Mm. Why do we need to get married? Having a child is a bigger commitment yeah, yeah. Than, than getting married. So why would you... That's, need what, to that's, what, okay. my, that's what my ex used to say as well. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I get that. If you're making such a big commitment that you're going to have a kid with someone, then what's the harm in just going That's down to the registry exactly, office yeah. and making it official? Yeah. Okay, can I tell you and, why? And hold up, hold up. And I'll tell you yeah. why, yeah? Uh-huh. Because people that say that, they want an easy out. And even if you've got a kid with someone, it's a lot easier to step away not married than it is if you are married. Yeah. It's um, a huge pa- As you right. know, it's a huge pain in your ass to get divorced. Even if it's amicable... It still takes a long time and there's a lot of litigation to go through and it's a huge pain in the ass to get divorced. But if you're if you're even if you've got three kids with someone and you're just dating, you have an argument one night, you go, Well, screw you, I'm out and then you leave and then it's just alright, we need to arrange when I can see the kids. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Yeah, but the only thing is you got to remember, you're still liable for those kids anyway. Not legally, <clears throat> but you are the, the you're the father of no, yeah, those yeah. kids. No, if you're human enough, you probably say, "Well, look, we don't get on. I'm splitting, but I'm still going to look after my kids until they're sixteen or eighteen. If you're fortunate to be in a position where your partner mm-hmm. didn't poison your kids against you, which does happen, in as it case, did happen in to in my case, it were yeah, well, and we're poisoned. Yeah. To be fair, uh, yeah. uh, to obviously it's a little bit one sided because I know you, but having being as at the time when this was all going down I was friends with his son and in the build up to this I was talking to his son didn't know anything about the situation was going to occur he had not a bad word to say against his dad and and the only little thing that I can add which is still it's hearsay it doesn't actually mean anything in the long 
in the bigger picture. But I actually had a conversation with Leo's wife about two weeks before all this went down. And the reason why, because like generally I'm kind of... You plotted the seed, didn't you? Nah, do you know what it is? <laughs> like when I see someone, yeah, yeah. generally I can pick up on someone's mood quite well. And like I, I'll know if someone's in a pissed off mood to just like hi, bye, keep it, you know. If they, mm. But I could I could see that she, she seemed a little bit down and I was like, hey, are you okay? And she expressed that she wasn't in the in the best place. And uh, I said, you know, what, what's going on? And she explained that her son for many months was being really rude, disrespectful, da 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 And I was like, really? I was like, damn, what about your husband? Doesn't he, doesn't he not say anything to her? And she said, you know what? He won't get into an argument or confrontation with anyone. Like he just won't do it. I've told him several times he needs to have words with his son, but he doesn't want to cause arguments, so he won't. Mm. So I was like, at the time I was like, damn man, Leon didn't step up, slap his kid. Mm. <laughs> and and if it wasn't for the fact that I actually didn't speak to his son again after that because of what went down, I was like, I need to just step back, not get involved. I don't know what's going on. Mm. Obviously, there is two sides to every story, whatever. I was like, I'll just step back. But I was perplexed because I was like, just the other day she was saying he's a, like her husband's a bit of a wimp non-confrontational and then all of a sudden man's picking up guns <laughs> tying up in-laws and shit <laughs> <laughs> calling for ransom bring me to the girl shader <laughs> now you so, yeah. see you can't always characterize the process by his mood or the day of the mood when, when you ask somebody how you feeling today? They would lie about it. Mm. If th that Some family, people just say good, isn't it? Listen, they just feel yeah. I'm good, and <laughs> deep down they're not. That's right. You know, it, it, you could actually say to somebody, "I'm feeling really good," and then before you know it, they're actually jumping in front of a train to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. hurt themselves, man. People do crazy it's shit. True. It's true. You know, but what, what I'm trying to point out with this this uh, type of uh, weddings, whether arranged, careful with the people who are trying to pledge that there is a dowry in there. If you're going to get married to a Cypriot or a Greek or any person who's got a dowry, put your damn name on the title deed as well. So at least that way, you've got some sort of form of protection and not having to go in. Despite the fact I said that, you're really not protected in any way. To be fair, from my perspective, I don't know about you, Den, I don't agree with the idea of dowries. Like, do you think... No, no, so what I've, heard, what I've learned about it today... Um, educational shit yeah yeah I, I I kind of don't but it's culturally it's, it's, it's cultural isn't it? because I'm not brought up like that it's new to me I've learned about it today at age 37 mm. so obviously it's not going to be something that I'm like oh that sounds like a good idea let me do that but I understand obviously if that's how you're brought up it's normal to you isn't it yeah yeah it's funny because it's still like, you, like I, I, I was watching a, a Hindi movie the other day mm. and um, in the movie there was there was like a they were attending a wedding and halfway through the wedding the the groom side went nah wedding's not happening mm -hmm. and they're like what and they go yeah and it, it at the beginning of the wedding they had this massive cardboard cutout of a car key yeah that they they gave to the groom and took pictures of it like yeah, yeah we're gonna give them a car right yeah and then when they actually saw the car it was like a little hatchback and they're like, we thought based on the size of the key, we we're going to get a bigger <laughs> car than that. So we're like, screw this way of doing it. But obviously there's a bit of humour involved, whatever. But I was like, damn, man. It's, obviously, if they're making movies still with the concept yeah, of a dowry, yeah, yeah. they must still go on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I heard about it like years ago, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't realise it was still legit. And to be fair, it, 
it does still happen where, for example, like to my knowledge of it, where you have like an Indian guy who, uh, let's say he, he hasn't met a girl that, that he'd fall in love with naturally or whatever. Yeah. And he's had a look around and he maybe says to his parents, maybe you don't, maybe if you could find someone. And a lot of British Indians go back to India a lot. They still have ties to India. Yeah, yeah. And they'd find a girl from India and they'd say, look, we've got a son in Britain. And again, especially because the culture of it, them seeing girls as a burden in, in India yeah. or parts of India, um, they'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, we you know, want want our daughter to marry your son. You know, if, as long as he's got a good job, well-educated. They do the whole like sales pitch. They go, oh, our son's got this, our son's got that, our son's got this, our son's got that. What's your daughter like? And they go, oh, yeah, she's a good girl. She can cook, she can clean, she's pretty, she's this, she's that. You know, and, you know, if your son likes her, he'll also get X amount of money, maybe a plot of land, maybe a house here, maybe, you know, whatever we could do. And yeah, yeah. generally speaking as well, the girl's side pays for the wedding, right. which is which is quite common. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm guessing, is it like that in, in Cypriot culture as well? Like the girl's side pays for, for the wedding? Supposingly. But here in the UK, you normally sort of like... You split it. The, the parents will get in. You know. Okay, so both parents were Unfortunately, split. with my wedding, <laughs> for my wedding, my in-laws were so stingy, they didn't do very much. Oh, okay, okay. They, they found the cheapest hall to get us married in, like a sort of like a, a town hall. Right. A little... Uh, it's like a community hall. Fair enough. And my parents did most of it, really, unfortunately. But there you go. It showed it showed the signs from the first day. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite amazing, really, how things are. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Leo's story is uh, a little bit on the extreme side. It's uh, and also quite unfortunate, but ultimately, yeah, ultimately, life goes on, there, doesn't it? That's I guess that's the big thing to take. Yeah, away but from you today. know what? The one thing I'm going to point out to you. Whoever is going to get involved with divorces, okay, you have two two sides to it, right? As you said, there's two sides to the story. You could either truthfully understand your representation as an individual and then have a solicitor to say, I trust your representation. In other words, we understand mm. you're not that guilty individual. You can't have done this. Yeah. Okay, and then they'll probably fight more for you. But I'm against the fact that um, solicitors that charge so much money for bullshit, in effect, because all they're doing most of the time is they send you a letter and they then charge you for £50 per letter. Yeah, yeah. And then they send you a letter saying, we've sent the letter to the other side. We're waiting for them to represent you. Why do you want to send me a £50 letter telling me that you sent a letter yeah. to the other side? And then they send you another fine, say another letter that's saying... Um, just to let you know the other side have responded or wait for them to respond. So that's another 50 pounds. So the two pieces of letter, 100 pounds, cost you absolutely no movement whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And that to me is awful. Mm. I, in, in the sense of whether or not somebody wants to get married, yes, there is that point of getting that trust and that bond and making sure that everybody's happy. But in the end of the day, when people are happy with one another, money should never get in the way. It should be just real love and affection and then bring back, bring up whatever you brought in this world. If you have family, then bring them up together. If, if you're going to fail at some point, it's because your in-laws get involved. You need to deal with it yourself. Don't bring other members of the family inside a situation because it's them that actually screw up your marriage. Mm. Do you understand? Yeah. 
Yeah. The second part of getting married is not really worth getting married if you want to go for the legal and litigations that go on in courts then that's what you're going to be paying for that piece of paper that you're going to sign on the day that you get registered. Is it really, really worth it? In my eyes, no. I've experienced it, that's why. If I were to get married again, I would think three times before signing a piece of paper. Mm. Because if I love somebody enough, I would live and give my whole heart to that individual. There's no quibbling and no nastiness in there, and no, no greed, no selfishness. It's just pure love and good company. You need to have that company with that individual. Mm. Uh, when you get a bit older, all you need is company. If you get the love and affection and do things together, that's what my future is left now. I don't have to worry about paying for university graduations. You know what? When I spend so much money for my own children's welfare and to have a good future for them, and the ex-wife takes it all away, just draws the carpet behind because of money, there was no need to do that to my children. My daughter was ended up with £60,000 in her bank, <clears throat> and that was to take her to university. What did I discover when I was going through my divorce? That although I put her in Greenwich University, and I found her a home a year after because she wasn't comfortable with the units in the university, right, you know, because yeah. you get the girls all bitchiness and so on. Yeah. She didn't want to stay anymore. She said, Dad, please take me out of this place. And I found a fantastic Greek lady, Cypriot woman, only across the road from the university. That's God's sent. Yeah, Send yeah. me that lady. And she's willing. She lost her husband. And I said, listen, do you mind taking my daughter up? And we'll pay £200 a week, whatever it is. But we'll pay for it. And she agreed. And I took my daughter there. And we moved to her whole house from the flat into there, from, from uh, the Greenwich University into the home. And then we go through divorce and I discovered that the daughter's not living there anymore. She's left the university. That's oh, wow. where I say selfishness. Because the ex-wife shouldn't have taken that life for that child. That child deserved to have gone to university. She ended up somewhere. I haven't got a clue where she is. And, I, you know, karma does take its own circle. And it goes round. It mm. does go. It would only harm the people who are really, really nasty. They will harm you. I, I have nothing to worry about because... I've I've lived the negative side. Now I'm going up again, so I'm I'm loving it. Cool, cool, cool. That's <laughs> good. That's good. The nice, the the, the 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 not necessarily a silver lining, but it's good to hear. Yeah, you're in a good place now. Yeah, you know? very good place. Yeah, now. that's cool, man. That's, that's cool. That's so uh, we we will we will wrap up for today. But yeah. before we wrap up, in fact, Leo, I should have forewarned you. That's all right. At the end of every episode, yes, we do a little throwback. Okay, this, so so no, what? See, Leo's like, tell me a throwback. <laughs> so a throwback is like a little tribute to, to something old, right? Okay. So and we we give our two, we give a a song from from back in the day that we like, and we and we also name like an old movie that we enjoy. Oh my god! Okay, so so what we'll do is. I'll we'll do you can sit and think for a minute. Yeah. Maybe use Google or something just to reminisce, go over something else. But maybe you've got an old school favourite song. Right? Mm. Maybe something like that. Okay? Yeah, I've got it already. That's good. There you go. Yeah, See, you're right. Because you, you're looking at me like, like I'm yeah. trying to rape you. And <laughs> <laughs> but deep down, you're all good. I'm all sitting right. now, so you won't be able to rape me now. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'll do mine first. I'll go first. Because as I was saying to you, maybe you've got an old school like mm. song or something that you yeah. or a movie. It occurred to me that I haven't said one of my favourite movies and favourite songs combined 
together. Oh. Nice and easy, wrapped up little package, bomb bomb. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what it was. Growing up, even I'll tell you straight, even I remember someone asked me when I was like 22, 23, like, oh, what's your, what's your favorite film? Mm-hmm. And I was like, My Girl. And they were like, What? Anna, my Girl. I was like, Shut up, bruv. Don't say nothing about My Girl. Anna Kowalski was one of my first crushes. Right? Mm-hmm. And the song. For True. my girl, yeah, yeah, also yeah. a banger. Yeah, like yeah, you can't yeah, listen true. to that song and go, true. "I got sunshine," yeah. and I was just like, "Do you know what? That's that's my track, right? That's my yeah, track. Yeah, that's yeah. my movie. I've loved that." <laughs> and do you know what? I ain't gonna lie. It's late. I've got to be up early. I'm probably gonna go home for that mm-hmm. movie. Fall <laughs> <laughs> asleep. That's it. Cool. So yeah, man. That's still like the original tragedy movie when you're yeah, growing up, yeah. isn't it? So my um, throwback song is Cream, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, oh. Wu-Tang, Cream, what, what did it start for? Cash Rule, Everything Around Me. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Um, and keeping keep, keep to that theme, um, my throwback film is uh, Fist of Legend. Oh, okay. By Jit, um, yeah, yeah, Simon yeah. Jet Li. Now, I do need to make this clear. <clears throat> the original undubbed version, not the... If you watch the one with the English dub, it's a good film. Okay. But they didn't just dub it, they changed the music and the music in the original. And you know those um those those sound effects of the old kung fu films, like the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way they done that when he was punching the original with the music they chose <laughs> was awesome. Okay. So the watch watch the um Fist of the, Legend undubbed. Yeah. Nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Sick film. Back in the day. Leo, what you got? Well, you know what? One of my favorite songs is uh, from John Denver, okay. Annie's song. And Annie's song brings a lot of really passion and uh, it brings me to where I am today with my new girlfriend, Mona. Uh, we sat there listening to it a couple of days ago and we both sat there gazing at each other and tears literally dreeping through. Is that the one? Oh, believe it, don't give it to me. But it's such I'll, an amazing I'll, I'll song. Listen to it afterwards. Yeah, it's an amazing song. And that to me completes my life and it calms me down to this to to the best level you could ever imagine. You know, you could just close your eyes and just hear it and every word is true to what's happening to me today. Beautiful. Oh, wow. It's great. My film yes. is the opposite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terminator <laughs> 2. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is obviously, this is the lovely sub- side of it, but I yeah, think yeah. there's still some part of me which uh, wants some sort of revenge, but I, I'm never going to get it because okay. I've given up on that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. There's, there's no way to have a revenge on or things that happened in the past the last six years. You have to drop and forget. Okay. okay? But my favourite film relating to this would be The Punisher with John Travolta. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> John Travolta version of The Punisher? Yeah. Don't yeah. That. I, yeah. I know about Quentin. Quentin. You're <laughs> fucking him, aren't you? <laughs> yes. He's gay. It's honey, Quentin is gay. <laughs> That's it. No, the Punisher, to me, I think, brings back how somebody can take somebody's whole life away and that one individual slowly eats away the remaining of the uh, yeah, the criminal yeah. side. The guy, um, uh, do you know what the the good guy in the Punisher? He reminds me a lot of a young version. Yeah. Um, yeah. He 
the guy who plays uh, the the good guy in The Punisher mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of Christopher Lambert back in the day in um, uh, Highlander. Okay. They look like really similar. If you watch, if you watch that that Punisher movie, which I'll be honest, Leo, mm-hmm. right? It's a shit movie, <laughs> but Man, but you know, it's I, a good movie as well. You know, like some movies, they're yeah, shit, yeah, but they're good. Yeah, you gotta watch yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. The Punisher's one of them. Yeah. Like that ain't yeah, winning yeah, yeah. no Oscars. <laughs> but that, I saw um, Elite of Battle Angel the other day. Okay, which we'll is... talk about it next time. All right, yeah, all right, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Cool. All right. Well, I, I think that you know the Punisher in my case is it's how one family can get completely destroyed and only that individual soul that we believe he dies. Yeah. And all of a sudden he comes back for that revenge, but he does it so tactfully. Yeah. That you might as well call that karma cool. because he doesn't physically take ownership by shooting them. He just takes it by the way it almost flows naturally. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Without the other person actually knowing that there is happening to them. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that. That will be us for today, uh, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much, Leo, for coming on yeah. and sharing your your treacherous experience with us. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you very much.